going through a breakup? Struggling with being all up in your feels? Finding it hard to get through the day? Heartbreak sucks and we've all been there. If you're in need of some life hacks on how to regulate your emotions, practically manage your life and how to rediscover yourself post-breakup, you've come to the right place. This is your roadmap to navigating out of this time in your life with intelligence, humour, sass and a little bit of tough love when you need it. Welcome to How to Hack Your Heartbreak with your host, Louise Wilkinson. As well as going through all of the challenges that breakups present to us, it is also my intent to inspire you with women who have overcome heartbreak in sometimes the most unbelievable ways. This very first instalment of Bitches Owning Breakups, which will become a semi-regular podcast instalment on my little channel, is possibly one of the most astounding stories that I have ever heard. Kaylee Stead from Wales became a viral sensation when she had to deal with heartbreak in a way that would give most of us absolute nightmares. I can't wait for you to hear this story of resilience, grit, and absolute boss bitch energy. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome Kaylee Stead to How to Hack Your Heartbreak. It is nighttime where you are in Wales, UK, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Kaylee, what a story. And this has gone pretty much global. I was, you know, just in my own little world and saw your story and reached out to you straight away. And because you're just everything that we're trying to get across in how to hack your heartbreak. And uh, I'm not, I didn't give too much away in the intro, but uh, let's dive in. So yeah, yeah. thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolute pleasure. Now, your story went global uh, because it was such a, a horrid story in some ways, but then such a beautiful story in others. And I guess where we start, let's just rip the Band-Aid off, was that you had prepared for your wedding, you're about to commence your life with your life partner, and then everything changed at about 7 o'clock on the morning mm-hmm. of the wedding, didn't it? Yeah, basically, yeah. So I'd spent two years um, saving, working overtime, scrimping, um, doing as much as I could to create a wedding that not not only me and my partner could enjoy, but a celebration of these two families coming together. And at seven o'clock in the morning, my friend got a call from her husband, um, who was one of the groomsmen saying that they couldn't find Callum. So my ex-partner, that he was gone, his car is gone, and nobody could get in touch with him. And at this point, I was just, yeah, I was drinking my mimosa. Yeah, 7 o'clock in the morning, I was having champagne and orange juice, and I was enjoying myself. And um, the girls were kind of like, oh, how do we tell Kaylee? Like, And they saw that my phone was going off from Callum's mum, and they wanted to be the ones to tell me because they didn't want to, 
they were trying to rip the band-aid off in the nicest possible way. Um, because at this moment you couldn't just rip it off. It was like we need to take our time. And then I started looking for my phone and my friend was helping me, Hannah. And then I saw I had a missed call when I found it from his mum. And the same time the girls were like running around going crazy. And I was like, what's going on? There's so much energy for seven o'clock in the morning. And I rung back his mum. And at the same time, my friend Jordy and his mum on speakerphone explained that Callum had gone. He just said, Callum's gone. And I was just like, what do you mean he's gone? And they said they can't find him. Nobody can talk to him. Um, what happened in the night before, he was at the wedding venue with his family and his groomsmen. They'd gone, the groomsmen and him had gone into the sea, had some drinks, had some food, went back to the caravan. And because the caravan was completely packed, he stayed then with his family in their caravan. And that was the last that they saw of him. And his family had said that um, he needed a bit of a breathing time, a bit of time away, just to kind of de-stress because he was very nervous. And I was like, okay, after hearing it, I was like, he's gonna, he's fine then because he's just stressed. He needs some time on his own because that wasn't something new to our relationship. If he had got stressed about work or money or or just had anxiety, he would go for a walk. He would go for a drive to kind of decompress. So I was like, that's what he's doing. And I think my major concern at that point was the fact of if he's okay. I wanted to know in his head if he was okay emotionally. Like I wanted to know that he was physically and emotionally okay. And nobody could tell me that at that point. So I rang his dad and I said, look, if you get here, come here from Cannes, explain what's gone on. He was like, yeah, absolutely fine, Kale. And he was like, he's going to be there. We'll carry on getting ready and I'll let you know as soon as I speak to him. And I was like, perfect. So then everybody kind of calmed down. We kind of kicked back into motion. Um, but during that time, my parents and um, videographer, photographer, other people started coming in and I asked the girls, let's not tell them what's gone on because... I don't want my parents to think ill of Callum because of they're going to be like, why did he walk? Like, I didn't want them to stress out. Um, and I didn't want the pressure of other people knowing. Sure. And so then his dad called me at like half past 11 in the morning and I'd just done all my makeup. I was about to get my hair done. And as soon as I answered the phone and he said, hello, I knew if that makes mm, any sense. Yes. It was like the tone. And I was like, oh God. And then he just said, Kayla, I'm so sorry that he's he's not coming. I've tried to kind of talk to him and try to get any sense from him. And he was like, I can't, he's not talking any sense. He's not making, he's not coherent in what he's saying, but he's safe. He's down in his nan's house, which is like four hours away from the venue in England when we like due to get married at half past at one o'clock. So like an hour and a half time. <laughs> wow. So in my, I know in my head, I was like, God, even if he changes his mind and comes back, I can't, I can't get married because mm. he's too far away. And his dad was just completely devastated. And I could hear his sister in the background who was like, really young. I was going to be our flower girl. I could hear her cry in the background and just couldn't understand what was going on. And the fact that they told his sister that it wasn't happening kind of hit the nail on the head for me because of they wouldn't have told her if they didn't believe it, if that makes any sense. And then I sobbed and my best friend 
because we're all in the utility room with me as we were all hiding together, just sobbing. And there was this black spider, and the huge spider in the corner of the room. And I just kept on fixating on that and going, like, I'm not afraid of spiders, but I wouldn't want one that huge. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, God. I'm like panicking and over, like it was over a century load because I was like, 100%. what do I do now? Mm. And I told the girls just to give me five minutes and then I'll be out. And they were like, okay. So then they went out. They told my parents, told the videographers, the photographers, told everyone what was happened. And everyone was kind of just at a standstill then. And then I walked up to the room and everyone just looked at me and I was just my eyebrows were on my chest at this point because I've yeah. been crying so much absolutely and sweating and just, yeah everything yeah. was everywhere and um everybody just gave me this kind of like really sympathetic kind of like really a horrid smile that everybody gives when they don't know how to to what to do yeah. and I was just like oh god I said Right, we just need to get out to the Airbnb anyway because we were in an Airbnb and I said, we've got to check out time. So I said, we need to get dressed and get down there anyway because of uh, things to sort out. And when I, my sister was redoing my makeup, I was like speaking with her and she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, embarrassed at that time. I was like, I just feel an overwhelming embarrassment that's yes. come over me like I'm embarrassed as this has happened to me that like people are going to find out that somebody's like left me on my wedding day and not even talk to me and I was like I don't know what to do like I kind of was telling explaining to her that I want to carry on with the day but is that even more embarrassing it, like what do I do and she was like Kale just follow your own gut you could go don't think about anyone else what do you want to do and then she told me the, uh, about a joke that the videographer photographer made about how I'd spent like over 12 grand on this wedding why don't she just carry on with the day and I was like I want to and she was like well just do it then I was like okay I was like okay I was like I'm gonna do it and then she was like as I had that moment she was like girl she's doing it she's going ahead of the day and all the girls came running into the kitchen going what's going on and I was like I want to carry on with my wedding day. And they were like, you sure? I was like, you're going to be okay? And I was like, yes. I said, I'm going to be crying either on my own or I'm going to be crying surrounded by the people I love. And that's what I chose. I chose to be kind of, show all my emotions and share my experience with my friends and my family. And that's what we did. We still had the party. Sorry, long choice daughter, I do apologise. Oh, look, no. I mean, it's uh, – I'm invested. I'm in. I mean, it's just <laughs> in one way, as you said, that overwhelming embarrassment like, oh, my God, everyone's going to know that this has happened. And I guess when we do have partners and things sort of happen in the, in the relationship, we do to an extent cushion your family and your friends and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of, you just sort of cope. But when, when it's all out there, it's like, okay, this is, yeah. this is what it is. So in one way, yes, one part of your brain goes, oh my God, all of my family and friends are going to know about this. This is just, you know, but in the other way, you had everyone that was dear to you right there Mm -hmm. and to go okay this is possibly the biggest curveball that anyone has to cope with ever I'm going to make lemonade out of lemons I'm going to have this party I'm going to spend this time 
with the people that I love. And yeah, I've seen the footage and obviously there were tears, but there were there was so much joy and love in that day that obviously it's going to stick with you for the rest of your life for so many positive reasons, as well as the obvious mm-hmm. negative, uh, that those yeah. people were just surrounding you with so much love on that day. Like it was just overwhelming how much people loved and, and stayed there for me because when I got down to the venue, I couldn't go into the semi room. That's the one room I never saw because in my back of my mind, it was a bit like, I want to, I want to save that moment. And I, I just couldn't see the semi room. And then my, my sister, my best friend went in, they told the guests and they said to them, if you want to stay, stay and enjoy the day as much as you can with Kaylee. But if you want to go, she'll completely understand because it's a like it's a bit of an awkward time, and at this point, when I arrived, all his family had left, so mm. they had gone. Um, but all of his groomsmen stayed. I saw so, that in the video. How amazing! Yeah, it was just incredible. I think it gave me that bit of reassurance that I need because if I was such a horrible person or a horrid girlfriend, because that's what I was kind of going through my mind, going. God, have I done anything wrong? Have I? What have I done to cause this? Like, for him to not even speak to me because the thing that I struggled with at the time, not so much now, was was the fact of he didn't even speak to me. I, I've always, I can always agree with the fact of he never had to go through the wedding day. If somebody doesn't want to do something, I'm never going to put anybody in a position that to do something to fulfil something they don't feel comfortable doing or they they don't want to do. And I never had a problem with that. Yes, that hurt me and I was upset about it. But the thing that kind of I couldn't get my head around at the time or or, or even kind of process was the fact he didn't even speak to me himself, that I was 10 minutes away from where he was. He easily could have drove down, messaged me, rung me and said, look, can we speak? And he could have told me face to face. And hand on heart he could have done that and I would not have put him in a position Mm. to make him stay because I'm never going to want somebody to stay with me because they feel like they have to I want somebody to stay with me because they want to like that's what every person wants they don't want somebody out of need or a have or a necessity they want somebody to stay with them be with them because that's what they want um And that's what I struggled with. And that's what everyone was coming around with. And then when we got to the venue and I saw his groomsmen all stay, it gave me that reassurance that I'm not a bad person. Yes. The fact that his best friend of 10 years had stayed with me, had cried with me, had drunk with me and stayed and enjoyed the rest of the day and gave me a hug and said, I'm so incredibly sorry, gave me that reassurance. And those men um, will never know how much they did for me on that day. Yeah. And I would just thank them enough because they easily could have walked away and I would have understood, completely understood, but they chose to stay by my side. Need a daily dose of inspiration, contemplation, or maybe just a good laugh? The How to Hack Your Heartbreak card deck is just what you need packed full of quotes to help you get through your breakup with wisdom, sass and empowerment. A 
Cicada Day keeps the breakup blues at bay. Head over to howtohackyourheartbreak.com forward slash shop to grab your deck. I can imagine that that does give you so much comfort because we do get close to our partner's family and friends and they become our family and friends. And so the loss isn't just the partner, it's also, uh, you know, that that whole extended. So to know that, I mean, obviously they're not going to – bag their their mate out they're not going to bag their friend out but you knew that there was that support for you and that they chose to stay and chose to support you through that day and I don't know why but when you do get that support from you know the other side I guess it does mean a lot it really does give you that sense of this isn't about me and I think that that's yeah. uh, incredibly important. I've got to ask, did you have absolutely any inkling? Like we talk about the blind side being the worst type of breakup because you have to actually process the trauma of that before you can actually even get to grieving the relationship. But, you know, obviously you're drinking a mimosa, kicking back <laughs> and laughing with your girlfriends. That sort of tells me that, there was no problems or fights or anything like that before no. that moment. So the only kind of argument that we kind of had was after a stag do. So um, his friend, because he moved from England to here, loads of my girlfriends and their partners became friends with Callum. And on the stag do, there were two Toms, one being a bigger Tom and one being a smaller Tom. And the bigger Tom was my best friend's partner, boyfriend, and now her um, baby daddy. And um, so during the day when they were drunk, they referred to the bigger Tom as Fat Tom. And I found out about that. And then I kind of spoke with him and said, look, I picked him up from the train station. I said, look, I've heard this information. Is this true, first of all? He was like, yeah, everybody was calling him this. And I was like, okay. I said, but you've got to understand that that's somebody's feelings. Like you didn't have to, just because there was two Toms doesn't mean you have to call somebody that. Mm. I said, would you t- say that to his face? And he said, no. I said, well, there we go then. Don't say it around by behind his back because that's not who I am. And I said to him, this is this is the partner of my best friend that I've been friends with for 10 years. And if they found out that you were basically bullying my best friend's partner, my best friend is going to is going to hit you and rightly so and i'm going to be in a position where i can't defend you and i don't like being in that position when i can't defend mm. somebody's actions or justify somebody's words and i explained that to him and i probably raised my voice but i was angry because he was saying to me everybody was doing it and i was like you're a 24 year old man just because everybody's doing it doesn't mean you have to do it you're the one who's in control of that situation because it's your stag do. You should have took responsibility to say, look, guys, stop. Enough, Mm. even if you weren't the first person to say it. And we had a bit of an argument about that. And um, he didn't like that I said that to him. But after that, it all got resolved. He understood where I was coming from. um, Because at the end of the day, like, my friends are very, very close to, like, are they my family? Like they're my sisters, my my friend is, and I just don't like being put in a position if I can't defend somebody's actions. Hundred percent. Because 
Yeah. I, I, I couldn't. And to me, it just felt like, like being in school again, like mm. calling somebody like that. Like, it's just mean. There was no justification behind it other than it being a laugh for you guys, but not for him. And I didn't like that. And um, to be fair, my best friend doesn't actually know this story. So if you listen to this podcast, sorry, Han. Um, <laughs> but that was the explanation. Yeah. <laughs> and, but she had um, your back. She had your back, Han. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Like, I don't care whether you're the queen, king, whatever, or you're the, the closest person to me. If your actions are wrong, I will tell you because I expect somebody to do the same for me. Because, yes, you probably don't like hearing it at first uh, in that moment, but you're not not always going to be right and your actions are not always going to be okay because that's the process of growing up and learning. And that's what happened. And then after that, we kind of calmed down. It was fine. That was about the July time. So we were getting married in September. So there'd been a month between us. And he was talking about then going on the honeymoon he was, we talked about like our kids' names. We talked about after the wedding day. So for me, yeah. that's why I was completely blindsided because if we hadn't had those conversations, we hadn't talked about kind of moving out and building a life together and like what holidays we were going on after the wedding day, then I probably would have had a bit concerned, a bit like, okay, what's going on? But he was still having those conversations with me and I still don't know to this day why he left. So he's never given me a reason, rhyme or reason as to why he left the way he did or why he didn't want to go through with it or why he didn't want to be with me anymore. Mm. And I've kind of had to learn that no closure is closure. And I've had to come to terms with that. 110%. And, uh, you know, one of yeah. my one of my favourite things to say is closure is bullshit. Their behaviour is your closure. Yeah. And it's so yeah. true because that closure, there is no magic sentence that someone is going to say that's going to wrap this up in a nice little bow for you. Usually in terms of the closure conversation, they actually end up hurting you more <laughs> than, yeah. you know, than if you yeah. didn't have it. And um, yeah, that like, was- I didn't need to know in that moment that I wasn't pretty enough or I wasn't doing this right enough. I wasn't doing this or that enough. I that, None of that was going to bring me peace. And I had to kind of learn that from myself and from through time, yeah. I think that's all. Yeah. So look, I know that the day has got, you know, a lot of press worldwide. And we talked before uh, we started doing this podcast about the fact that you got to speak to uh, one of both our idols, Kelly Clarkson. I don't know how you did it. I would have been like mute uh, watching her on the screen. (laughs) It was just so surreal. Like when she said my name, I was just like, gosh, she's probably not going to remember my name too, like two minutes after the interview. And that's absolutely fine. But in those three minutes or five minutes, I got to speak to her she was just speaking directly to me and it was just incredible. And as I explained to you earlier, like I felt so cheesy when I was kind of doing the pre-interviews for the Kelly Clarkson show that to say that she was my, uh, like my idol and just somebody that I'm in awe of, but she was, and she is still to this day. And she's got a new song coming out that I can't wait to hear. And like when I've listened to her already sneak peek, pre- like lyrics, I just resonate with them straight away. She's just 
great at kind of sharing moments that she's been through that kind of yeah like kind of I don't know I've done the word like we just resonate with you absolutely resonate a million with. And, ways. yeah and this album is actually about her breakup so uh yeah Kelly yeah. Clarkson is serving it to us because <laughs> you know she ha- she's such an amazing lyricist but but me and you will be on repeat for that hundred percent we should do a zoom date where we scream the lyrics with with mimosas I yes. like that now <laughs> um, and some nachos oh yes definitely love it speaking my love language now people talk about the day but obviously the day happened and you were wrapped in so much love and you I love that you smashed the cake that was fantastic but yeah <laughs> that was like a power move it was it was amazing um the whole day was I recommend it to everybody yeah smashing cake they do this thing where um through some um where you were as well, where they're one year one year old when it's yes. one year old birthday. Did you do a smash and cake photo shoot? I honestly think this should become a normal thing that adults do that, where they just have a photo shoot where they just either smash cake or smash things because it's so therapeutic. <laughs> and when you see the photos afterwards, you just go, Oh my god, like you just relive that kind of like like endorphin kind of moment again and over and over again. And entering to Lizzo's God as Hell was just I didn't realise how much I, iconic that was going to be. Yes. Like, because they asked me, what song do you want to enter into? And I was just like, the first thing that came to my mind was Liz was good as hell. And it sounds silly, but I never actually really listened to the lyrics before. I would just, like, sing them and not actually take in what I was actually saying. And then on the day when it blasted out in the marquee, I was like, wow. This yeah. Is, this is the song. And it was just the anthem for the rest of the day. Just like flick my hair back, walk away. Do you know I mean hell? It's just it was just amazing, and that kind of gave me a kind of like those moments, smashing the cakes and walking in and dancing with my family, and and moments like that kind of gave me the adrenaline to carry on. If that makes sense, it was just like a okay, let's restart back up. Let's wipe away the tears. I need to be in this moment. Yeah, one hundred percent. Well, I'm sure that you found the story so far absolutely riveting, but there is more to unpack. Next week on the podcast, I'll be asking Kaylee how she dealt with the heartbreak after the big day itself and the lessons that she's taken out of it. Please join us next week for Bitches Owning Breakups, Kaylee Stead, part two on how to hack your heartbreak. Thanks for listening to How to Hack Your Heartbreak. Head over to howtohackyourheartbreak.com for loads more heartbreak hacks.